Hello, Blooners. Balloonheads? Ballisters. We haven't decided what we want to call our fans yet. This is your uh, host, Zach, with a friendly content warning. We gave the internet a place to ask whatever weird nerd questions they wanted to ask, and it turns out the internet is a terrifying place. While this season has been pretty good so far, be aware that uh, we are sometimes, as our editor puts it, adjacent to adult subjects. Also, we swear like sailors. Hi everybody, I'm Tyler. I'm Zach. We're your aeronauts and we're back with more word balloons. We've been flying high on our own hot air but have stopped our journey to Azeroth to answer your nerdy questions. So with that in mind, Zach, what's our question this week? Why does Captain America change his shield from a heater shield to a round shield? I mean, I know this one. The basic answer of it is copyright infringement. <laughs> Threat uh, of legal action. action. Yes. So, Captain America first appears, I don't have the exact date, early 1940, shortly before we enter World War II. When he first appears, he has a heater shield, stars on the top, stripes going down. By the time he appears in Captain America number two, the shield has changed to the iconic round one that we know today. Why did Joe Simon and Jack Kirby do this? Because there was a previous existing character, the first character uh like the first national superhero i almost said nationalistic and that's a wildly different statement the the first kind of america flag themed superhero known as shield from mlj comics the shield i am going to say a couple of quick fun facts about because it's real dumb okay it's some real terrible things the shield is a chemist that has powers for reasons that i still don't fully understand the only person who knows his identity is fbi chief J. Edgar Hoover. Whoa. He, his fellow partners are fellow G-man Juju Watson and his girlfriend, Betty Warren. His kid sidekick was Pep the Kid Detective, who also partnered with the wizard's partner, Roy, as the Boy Buddies. Wow, this, this reeks of a specific era. Oh yeah, it was 1940 when this came out. In his first issue of Pep Comics number one, the shield is introduced as G-man Extraordinary. Now, the S.H.I.E.L.D.'s costume is a red bodysuit with, like, a blue mask, and then the the same S.H.I.E.L.D. like Captain America holds in the early ones, but on his chest. Yeah, it's almost like a sandwich board. And I don't know if it's a real S.H.I.E.L.D. or if it's either way it looks wildly uncomfortable. Like, there's no way he can move his arms. I'm just imagining, like, just stuck. Like, you know when you wear too many, like, outfits, like, when mm-hmm. you're a little kid and you're trying to go out in the snow? And you're just like, Nyeh! I'm trying to do a visual explanation on audio format. Everyone can see what we're doing it's, in their heads. It's Ralphie from uh, um, uh, Christmas uh, th- Story. Oh, yeah. The, the creators at MLJ were like, no. No, 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 no. You are super ripping us off. So they went, all right, this is really easy. We'll just change this. I am going to use this to tell a quick related story about superhero characters like this that also involved legal action. Okay. There is a character created also by Joe Simon and Jack Kirby in the 1950s called the Fighting American. Origins vary. One description is they were pissed off that Marvel had recently relaunched, at the time Atlas had relaunched Captain America without them. And they're like, we'll show you how to do it right. Other versions are like, it was the 50s. Everyone was just doing, if you were doing a superhero book at the time. He was basically Captain America without the shield. And it, I've never been able to track these down, but they're supposed to be like really fun, weird, trippy versions of Captain America. 
But we take this character, the fighting American, and we jump forward to the 90s. In a run called Heroes Reborn, Marvel hired a bunch of image creators to recreate their main characters. And they hired Rob Liefeld to create Captain America, to recreate Captain America. Mm -hmm. And then they quickly fired him. And reasons vary. Rob Liefeld says that they demanded that he get paid a lesser amount because they were, you know, going bankrupt at the time, mm -hmm. which Marvel did declare bankruptcy around that time. So it's possible. But it's also possible that Rob Liefeld's sales had dropped drastically because he's a terrible writer and not a great artist. Sorry, guys. Both true. And was demanding way more money than his sales were being worth. He takes, Rob Liefeld takes the unfinished scripts that he had for this redone and he's like, I'm going to recreate the fighting American. And he's like, calls up Joe Simon. He's like, you should pay me. Like, you should let me pay you to uh, make remake the fighting American. And Joe Simon goes, this much money. He goes, no. I'm going to recreate him as Agent America. And Simon's like, I will sue you. I will sue you so hard. He goes, okay, I will pay you money to make fighting American. And he recreates just straight what his Marvel run was. I mean, he basically doesn't even have the first two issues because it's just like, I changed some names and some things to the point that Fighting American now has a shield. Mm. So Marvel sues him. And they end up coming up with a deal of like, he's just different enough. But the rule is Fighting American under the Rob Liefeld run is not allowed to throw the shield. Okay. So it's okay. Even though it's clearly Captain America, as long as he doesn't throw the shield. Interesting. Mm hmm And apparently, in something that's oddly appropriate, patriotic-themed superheroes are all litigious as hell behind the scenes. In-universe, why does it change? He is created, or he is given a new one that has the adamantium-vibranium mix, although they don't use that term until later. That is just better, stronger, and he can throw this one. It also is supposed to uh, cancel all, like, impact, which mm -hmm. is why he can, like, stop tank shells, which doesn't make a whole lot of sense, because if that happened, he wouldn't be able to ricochet it like he does. Right. It would just, like, hit the wall and fall. Aren't there some iterations where it's also supposed to have some sort of, like, American steel? Probably. There, um, there's... They always mention that it's uh, adamantium vibranium and an unknown catalyst. And it's that's what gives it yeah, its... No one's really sure how it happened. The heater shield, which wasn't really mentioned until the Roger Stern-John Byrne run after, where they're like, oh, he had it, but let's not talk about it. Where he actually uses it to fight Mr. Hyde. Mm. Like, he, he finds it and Mr. Hyde attacks him at just that moment. And it was later kind of written off until the Mark Wade rob Garney run, where actually his shield is lost underneath the ocean. You'll never find it. It's somewhere in the ocean, and you were fine. You don't know. They eventually answered by, oh, Namor found it for you. But in the meantime, he spent a while using his old school shield, and then later getting an energy shield. Yeah. Which I always thought looked kind of cool, and um, I always thought he should just give to Bucky. Especially mm. since Bucky has spent time as Cap. And proved pretty good with the shield. Just give him the damn energy shield. Also has a robot arm. You could plug it into the robot like, arm. Literally program it in there. Like the coolest. Ver there was a version of the energy shield. My favorite version of the energy shield because I thought it was a really neat idea, where he could summon the shield temporarily onto either or both arms, 
throw it, have it act like the normal thing, but then the energy would dissipate so that enemies couldn't use it against him. Mm, that is pretty cool. Um, at one point in the early Avengers stories, Iron Man sets up a thing with magnets underneath mm. the shield and on Cap's arm with the idea that it would, you know, just come back to him that way. But it was written off as Cap didn't want it in the first place because he already knew how to, like, do the use off. his shield and do the bouncy thing. And it threw the balance off when he tried to do the magnets thing. But he was too nice to tell Tony no, especially because he had just been unfrozen, like, an issue before. And I think it's because Stan Lee decided he wanted to explain why the shield came back. And I think Kirby was mostly just like, no, dude, I've been writing this character since 1941. I got this. <laughs> And I also just wanted to use the opportunity to bring up the after John Walker gets done being Captain America for a little bit and becomes U.S. agent, he continues to use a shield and he ends up with a really cool star-shaped shield. I did like the star-shaped shield. John Walker goes through a bunch of shields and that's an episode for a different day. Once yeah. it looks like an eagle. Yeah, yeah. But I like the star one. Yeah, the star one's bad. not bad. In order to keep our journey going, we're going to have to drop some ballast. Luckily, Zach is stuffed to the brim with assorted genre facts. I'll prod him a bit and see what shakes loose. Remember, any misses or mistakes will have to be made up for at the end of our trip. Today, we'll keep with this expedition's theme of DC teen characters. So, Zach, what knowledge can you drop on Dan the Dynamite? Dan the Dynamite... I might have to do a redemption round, although I do have a few points on this one. He was a sidekick character whose main hero was called, like, TNT or something like that? Yep. Uh, I can only... Th I, I really don't know why he has, like, boomy fists or, <laughs> or why this... Like, I know nothing about TNT. Um, I only know Dan Dynamite because of two different series... One called JSA The Golden Years by James Robinson, which is a book that is noteworthy because it led to James Robinson relaunching JSA to becoming one of Marvel's best-selling, or DC's best-selling books later on, which was an attempt to explain why superheroes disappeared in the 50s, but it was later determined to be non-canon because it did a few too many weird choices. And it turns out, I believe in that one, that Dan Dynamite was like the villain behind it all. But that's a non-canon, and I'm not 100%. I read that story once, like, 20 mm -hmm. years ago. So, um, Dan Dynamite later appears in Young Justice as a member of Old Justice, if I remember correctly. Old Justice was a bunch of former teen superheroes from the Golden Age, so, you know, World War II era, who decided that Young Justice was a, you know, team of basically unsupervised teenagers with major superpowers going about and causing havoc, and that they shouldn't be allowed to do it, and possibly even outlaw teen superheroes altogether, which is a concept that has gained more traction as the years went by, but in the 90s was a kind of shocking idea. Mm. There wasn't a ton that went on there. They, they tried to track down... Young Justice, they tried to stop them several times, and they led kind of a media campaign against them before being involved in the Sins of Youth crossover, which we mentioned last episode with Slobo, where Young Justice saves the day and proves that they can be trusted, mostly. But as for Dan Dynamite himself, 
His costume, I think, is white and blue. It's mostly white. There's some other designs on it. It's really generic as hell. Get out. Um, I only have one of his costumes in front of me, which isn't that one, but... I could also be wrong. Yeah. I have not read any comic with Dan Dynamite in a long time. Is his name Dan? I think so. Yeah. And is it, like, a situation of, like, his name was Dan Dynamite and he just happened to get dynamite powers? Or is it, like, Dan... No no white costumes that I'm seeing, although there's a lot of blue. I could be... Yeah, okay. Um, Green and blue. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's fair. I don't know. I think I need to do a redemption round so I can, like, actually... Because I can tell you where Dan Dynamite has appeared in the last 30 years of comics, but I can't tell you a... I can't tell you a damn thing about that damn Dan. Daniel Dunbar. His name is Dan. It's not a good name. No. Um, damn, Daniel. <laughs> although, uh, just because you did point out correctly who his mentor, who he was the sidekick to, was TNT, which is uh, the superhero name of Thomas N. Thomas. No. <laughs> you have to remember... <laughs> That in the 1940s, comic creators were being paid roughly a buck a page. They just started writing, they stayed up way too late, and just whatever came out is what came out. That makes me sad. (laughs) (laughs) Thomas. But also I love it because that's fantastic, but also like like that that would take me a while to get to. (laughs) Because I wouldn't try to go. TNT immediately, I guess. I'm willing to bet they were were taking a lot of speed at that point to keep up. It was that era of history. Uh, and I should also point out that it is Dan the Dina hyphen might M-I-T. It's bad. <sighs> it's really bad. Wow. Usually capitalized. Wow. The Dina might. Yikes. <laughs> uh... All right. Yeah, we'll make you redeem that at the yeah, end. Yeah, that's, that's super neat. But, but I'm not going to bring up another one today, because you actually rolled on him for a little bit, even with very little to actually point out about him. <laughs> what I do. Fair? You knew of... Uh, yeah, you knew of his... Him <laughs> I've heard of him. That's a win. <laughs> I think. So that's it for today, folks. We're taking off. Before we do, we'd like to remind you to hit subscribe and check out all of our sister shows over at earverm.com. Other ways to get in touch with and follow us will be in the show notes. As always, we want to give a special thanks to our editor, Stephen Gady. Until next time, I'm Tyler. I'm Zach. Up, up, and away. Hey there, listener. This is your editor and stowaway, Stephen. Wanted to give a very special thank you to Ian Ford for letting us use their song Tracks as our theme song. To hear more of their music, you can check them out on SoundCloud.